Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to IndiePod, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we are bringing you three... Yeah, three awesome indie games news stories. Uh, But before we get into that, I'd like to introduce myself, Vaughn Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, Josh Boys. How you doing today, big Josh Boy? I'm good, man. I'm in Boston, not even in Florida. I'm doing this in a hotel room. So weird. It's it's actually really strange. I like I brought my Yeti mic with me, and I was like, I don't know if this is gonna work at all. Hopefully it does. We'll see. You flew to Boston, right? I did. You know, there's How a bunch you... of coronavirus like uh, outbreaks in Boston too. So like, mm, I'm in not a good place. Was your uh, flight super cheap? <clears throat> I I hear flights no. are quite cheap. I mean, mine wasn't because I booked it before this whole outbreak. Uh... But like, yeah, no, it was actually super expensive, which is kind of crazy because like I, I feel like I spent like roughly the same, if not more, to fly back in the day to Florida to California where my old uh, job was. And it's like, double the amount of time that you're in the air but i don't know i guess it's just a very popular place to be Boston's yeah morgan right and now. i are going to san francisco like Freeman? in in july for yeah for our part honeymoon and we're thinking about buying like tickets now oh because, for sure you should yeah yeah i was like it's so fucking should. cheap i hate to take advantage the best of- time dude no, the best time to profit <laughs> is when there's a natural disaster. As negative as it sounds, like now's the time to buy stocks. Yeah. It's just a thing. Everything's plummeting. <clears throat> like it's it's so depressing. We'll actually talk about some of the effects of the coronavirus uh today in our just normal like episode, but Right, right. It everything that's going on with it really blows with the exception of all these sweet memes of like people <sighs> like this is the best air. Uh, this is the best flight I've ever taken, and then it's just a guy and like three other people on the flight. You know, you know what's so <laughs> funny about that too is that's kind of how I thought it would be, right? Mm-hmm. I I just went last um, Sunday, and so I I was like, oh, you know, the whole cor- coronavirus scare. There's definitely going to be like no one there. My flight was booked, packed. Every seat was taken, and I was like, wow, I guess no one cares. I don't know if that's going to be different now. Like, I feel like this week specifically, like, things have been getting worse and worse, and it's been getting, like, just, like, uh, I don't know. It's just everywhere right now. So maybe it'll be different on my way back, um, but, like, it was not at all different than I thought it would have been. this could be, like, an Italy situation where, like, Italy was basically, like, they're they're putting up some pretty strong – like uh restrictions to like they're putting out curfews and people have to stay inside and everything maybe like how in italy a bunch of people really trying hard to get out of there 
maybe people are just trying to flee Florida, and that's why. <laughs> They're like, one, I mean, it's sinking into the ocean. Two, I don't want to get the coronavirus in the worst place on Earth. Florida? Oh, whoa. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Mr. I'm stuck in potato land doing nothing out here. I got potatoes. You, you got, got fucking alligators. There's a I big mean, difference. <laughs> So, I mean, I wouldn't say so because, like, we're all flying to Boston, which has much worse of a case with the Kavona, uh, Kavona, coronavirus Kavona outbreak. Virus. The yeah, Kavona but if virus. they got stuck in Boston, they'd be happy about it. They'd want to be stuck I in Florida. I don't know about that. I'd rather be stuck in Florida, for sure. <laughs> the heat alone will burn out the coronavirus. You won't even have to worry about it. I hope so. Let's see. I mean, I got to go back home. That was actually one of the, my, my fears is like coming up here. I was kind of nervous because I'm like, what if they ban travel out of nowhere and I'm just stuck in Boston? Yeah, you get fucked. And they're like, well, luckily you uh, work over the Internet, so it's fine. I mean, yeah, that's the thing is like finding a job where I'm now fully remote. I'm like, well, I guess I will have to stay in my house. <laughs> this is, the, I guess, a good place to get stuck. I yeah, mean, <laughs> for sure. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of you know ups and downs this week. Yeah, it's pretty outrageous. But speaking of ups and downs, let's talk about the games we're playing. You're playing Hypergalactic. Uh, is that Psychic Table Tennis Three Thousand <laughs> yeah. by Blue Wizard Digital? I know it is a pretty boss ass name. Yeah, it's a little bit too. It's a little bit much, if I'm being honest. They no, no, they went a little enough. bit too far. I think they need more words in it. It needs to be a sentence-long title. It really yeah. needs to just complete, you know? Yeah, like Hypergalactic Psychic Table Tennis 3000, the epic adventure of Pong's new up-and-coming change with RPG mechanics. I think that should I be the full title myself. name. That'd be that way be the too full much. Name. It, that'd be hilarious if they actually even had a subtitle. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what They're they like, do. The, tennis, the table tennis adventure, and you're just like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> says table tennis multiple I times know. in the title. I know, it's like Psychic Table Tennis 3000, the table tennis adventure. <laughs> in case you didn't realize, it's table tennis. Or the ping pong adventure, and they're like, oh, because they're like, some people don't notice table tennis. That's they true. They notice ping pong. Uh-huh, which is it's different. So, okay, sorry, I got to get into this real quick, because I talked okay. to my fiance about this over the weekend. Uh, of course, we have to go into my weird-ass life sometimes. Let's go. So... I'm I'm reminded of this because of the whole ping pong thing. So I was talking to my fiance and I was like, isn't it so weird that we call turn signals blinkers? I was mm-hmm. like, it's seriously the most dumb shit I've ever heard. We're they like, blink. yeah, because it's a blinker. It blinks. So it totally makes sense. But it has a name. It's a turn signal. But we call it blinkers because we're just too dumb to say turn signal all the time. And it reminds me like table tennis. It's that's an obvious name that easily tells you exactly what it is. It's 100 percent. You say table tennis. You're like, got it. That's ping pong. But then ping pong is so fucking stupid. Okay. Yeah. Who the fuck was like, let's name it ping pong. And you're like, what? <laughs> it, uh, you just don't understand. You're not a true ping pong table tennis hypergalactic space 3000 aficionado like me. Your small brain just can't comprehend. I'm a little dumb dumb and all these big smart <laughs> smarts are like, let's name it ping pong in a blinker. So whatever. Yeah. So let's hear about this game. 
How you liking right. it? Are you playing a bunch? Are you playing more Binding of Isaac as well, and you just don't want to tell everybody about it? Man, I think you could just always assume I'm playing Binding <laughs> of Isaac. I don't think there's ever going to be a day. I literally, I was thinking to myself the other night, I was like, maybe I am addicted to this game. Maybe maybe I do have a problem. Because I keep, after playing, I've played and unlocked so many different characters, and I've done so many different challenges, and I've completed a bunch of stuff, and I'm like really proud of like the progress I've made in the game. But it's one of those things where like, I keep getting to a point where I'm like, this should be enough. I should feel like good. And then I'll get like a moment where I have some free time and I'm like, man, I just gonna play one more, you know? (laughs) I think the biggest tell that you are addicted to Binding of Isaac is that you now seemingly hide it. You no longer put it on the dock. You no longer (laughs) want to tell me that you're playing Binding of Isaac. You're just like, I guess if he brings it up, I won't lie. Because I don't need, I don't need to. I don't need to. People just people who listen to this show should know that every week I am playing The Binding of Isaac. There is no like it's just happening, all right? <laughs> like <laughs> you don't need to worry about it. It's happening. All right. Edmund McMillan, I'm getting my money's worth with your game. Yeah, I'm starting to think that like fucking Ed is over here sponsoring you. Like me not knowing. Oh, He's just you, putting some dude, money in your back pocket. I'll, He's like I'll, I will literally, if you want to sponsor me, I will always just constantly, I'll wear anything you give me. I'll say anything you want, man. I am a big advocate of this game. He sends you a t-shirt that says, I love card games for the Legend of Bumbo. And you're like, ooh, (sighs) gotta wear it. (laughs) Uh, It's a free t-shirt. You just have to. You have to, man. All right. So let's let's shut up about Binding of Isaac because that's enough. Um, so hypergalactic cycle cycle. <laughs> it's too you big. You can't name. even say it. I this can't fucking even say name each shit. <laughs> I mean, I ha- yeah. Hypergalactic psychic table tennis three thousand. It's a game made by Blue Wizard Digital. This is a pretty funny game. So basically, what this is, think of Pong. It is uh, if you know anything about video games, Pong is like one of the biggest games in from like a historical standpoint one of the first games where it's literally just table tennis it is two paddles that hit a ball back and forth and you try to get the ball past the other paddle now that's essentially the game and it starts just like that just as if you're playing pong and you play against an opponent but what this game does is it adds this weird uh story and rpg element to it that you wouldn't really think of with pong So what I mean by that is every time you beat an opponent, meaning you score three goals before they score three goals on you, you get to then level up. And each time you level up, you get to pick a perk. And so it starts out very simplistic where it'll go like, oh, you leveled up. You can now have a a, a bigger paddle or you can move a little bit faster or you can get the choice to add more perks each time you level up and as you pick those you'll then get additional choices each time you level so it starts out very simplistic but then it starts to get really crazy and it's like oh you now have luck or you now have charisma and you can add points to your character and and at first you're like what the hell are you talking about why would i need luck or charisma i'm playing pong But as you keep playing and you keep going through levels, you'll fight different bosses and your charisma will allow you to literally talk to these different characters and like have dialogue sequences in between the matches, like in between each serve. 
And the luck is indicative, uh, indicative of you basically finding treasure chests to find equipment that you can wear. So you'll wear like little pants or a hat and like just deck out your character with weird stuff. So it's like, it gets crazier and crazier. It gets to a point where you literally have spells that you gain and you can shoot fireballs and turn your uh, pong paddle into basically a poison paddle, which when the ball ricochets off of you and goes to the enemy, it'll poison them. And all of a sudden, your paddles have health, and you have to not only get it past their paddle, but there's a strategy of literally outlasting the other paddle, because if they break, you have a free goal, and you could just slap it into the goalpost, essentially. So there's like so much that goes into this at a certain point after you've played for a couple of levels where you're just like, oh, this is getting kind of weird. Like you can now move the paddle left and right as opposed to just up and down. And it just becomes this little game that like takes a very classic game from, you know, Pong. It's a very uh, simplistic idea and turning that into a very weird RPG story experience where at the end of each one of them, they have like each, each character that you fight is named a certain way so it might be like a, a goblin or sometimes it's just like steve and it looks like an office guy <laughs> but it's, it's a paddle instead and each one of those at the end will have some little story about how like you beat them or how you defeat them and talk to them and blah blah, blah. so it's it's very um it's very quirky it's very charismatic i think that for the purchase of like i think it's only like two dollars um it's it's super cute super funny and if you're a fan of Pong, like you're going to like this, at least from the start, after it starts getting way too wacky, maybe you won't, but I thought it was clever. I, I enjoyed it. I wish the progression was a little bit quicker because I did play for a good two hours and I feel like I didn't get the gist of all of the different things I could have. Um, and, you know, maybe that's to some degree to get me to keep playing but i wish the the story beats or you know the different elements that are kind of unique could have come a little bit quicker and i also just wish this had multiplayer i i think it's a big shame it doesn't because once it starts getting into uh you using spells and abilities and actually paying attention to your paddle's health when a ball bounces off you lose health essentially and if you had a multiplayer experience of going against someone with that, you know, repertoire of different skills and abilities, I think that that could actually be pretty fun. Um, but overall, definitely, this is a pickup if you like it or sounded interesting because it is a very cheap, you know, uh, investment. It's also kind of interesting that it has like an equipment system. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the equipment, like I wouldn't think of it too much as, as equipment as far as like your getting things it's more of an equipment of just like cosmetically you get to wear a hat or you get to wear these weird pajamas that you find and it's very random what you get um they at least to my you know understanding of what i've played so far i haven't found any equipment that drastically or in any case impacts your ability to play um but it just looks cool because randomly you'll have these weird looking pajamas or a funny looking hat on your character Oh, okay. I see the character now. This is kind of weird. Yeah, this yeah, game yeah, looks yeah. odd. Yeah, it's 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 really trippy. I I really enjoy it. I think it gets really cool because later in the levels, you start to get more um, interesting like obstacles to play with because it's normal pong. But then all of a sudden they have these like teleporters where the ball will go into one uh, like black hole and shoot out another, and it can be a little confusing. There's also like 
minefields that will have the ball bounce back and forth. And if it explodes, it'll shoot it really quickly in one direction. So I think that's another area that they they could improve on is having, you know, more of those obstacles or things that uh, change kind of the gameplay. Uh, but like I said, it, it, it definitely was a fun experience, especially for the price point. I think it's especially weird that like I didn't I, when you said you're a character, I was expecting to see a person. And then I realized, no, it's, it's just, the, just paddle. the paddle, just the paddle. Yeah, it's very yeah. interesting. It's so um, odd. You just kind of look like a like a slightly personalized paddle. Yeah, you yeah, 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 I love it. I think it's so silly. Like it's the sense of humor in this game is definitely representative, uh, like representative of what you see when you watch like a trailer of this and how like wacky it looks because the dialogue and everything is very similar to that of just very like this game is not trying to be serious. It knows that there is a good element of like where being, you know, very comical with this, but in a good way. Yeah, I like how they're, I, I definitely see your point, and I like how they're leaning into those more comedic elements. Like, literally the first sentence in their Steam page is, paddle your balls. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. Like, I, I definitely enjoy uh, the people who created this. I, I think they have the right mindset to create a game like this. Like, a, a game like this, definitely, there's not a lot of angles that this works, but I think they found a way to, to make this something that is special. How did you uh, how did you play this? Did you just pay the like two bucks on Steam? So I was lucky enough to get this through uh, Terminals IO. Um, so I got this through you know a specific site that gives these codes out to media. Um, so I didn't personally pay for it, but yeah, on Steam it's like two to three dollars, something to that nature. It's one ninety nine. Um, it's one ninety nine. People, come on, get yeah. this game. This it's is super good- cheap. Super cheap, super fun experience. Even if you only play this for two hours, you'll get a dollar, you know, an hour. Like, that's a good time. Yeah, yeah, great time. Uh, Speaking of great times, let's talk about what I've been playing. So I'm going to kind of walk you guys a weird, walk you guys through a weird experience that I had recently. And then I'm going to talk about, so I've been playing two games, okay? Neither of them are listed. One of them is a surprise for the big Josh boy. And the other one. Is this this going to be Binding of Isaac? Am I going to get really excited? I'm not going to. I don't care. All right. I'm I'm so bad at that fucking game. It's outrageous. Dude, let me teach you. (laughs) Hold hold my hand. The first game I've been playing, and I'm going to go by this real quick. I just kind of wanted to to talk about this on the podcast because it's kind of a phenomenon that I never thought I would notice kind of a thing. Okay, so. I don't play female characters in games unless like unless that's part of the experience. So Life is Strange, mm-hmm. I'm not whining about playing Max because Max is an awesome character. She just happens to be a woman. Like the, it never right. mattered what gender you were. It only mattered to me in games where I got to make my own characters because right. then I felt like I was actually in the you. game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was like me making myself. It was me making my own character, so I never made female characters. And then I've been playing Dark Souls recently. Um, got back on a Souls-like kick because I'm super excited for New World, the MMO that has Dark Souls-esque combat coming out mm-hmm. in May. And I'm like, I got to bone up on this Dark Souls <sighs> combat. So I started to play Dark Souls 3 because it's remarkably hard to find the remasters of 2 or 1. Super annoying. Um <laughs> So I start playing Dark Souls 3, and I was playing on one of my, like, older characters kind of a thing and just not really enjoying it. 
Um, because I, I just didn't feel like I was that involved in the game. It wasn't anything about the gameplay or anything, but I realized that, like, when I'm making characters, I don't actually think of them as me in the game. Instead, I've been making them and think of them as blank slate protagonists. They're just, like, a placeholder, basically, mm-hmm. that I just fill with whatever kind of, like, I, I never decided a headcanon. I never made a backstory for my characters before until this week I decided to make a female character in Dark Souls. And okay. I've never actually, I've never made a female character in any game before, like I said. So it was kind of a new experience. I was just making a new character because I wanted to try out a specific build. And I was like, you know what? I was making my, I was making a dude. And I was like, man, this looks like a girl's hair. And I was like, why don't I? You're like, what if I put boobs on it? Yeah, I was like, why don't I just make a girl? And I was (laughs) like, I've never really done that before. So why not just make a girl? And I realized while playing and while designing my character and making, like giving her specific looks and choosing her name and everything, that I actually cared about this character that I was making. And she actually felt like a character she felt like a real person that exists within this world instead of just being like an empty shell for the most Mm. part that I input like shit into kind of a thing. So it was so weird. And I've never had that experience before where I made a character and I felt like they were their own thing. So like, as I'm playing, I kind of developed this own, like her backstory in my head and the way I made her look, um, I had like specific reasons for doing that. So I like gave her makeup, but I didn't give her too much. And I kind of like decided certain reasons for that on my own. Like, Oh, Damn, you're getting really heavy into this role play. Yeah. I basically just made a head cannon for this character. And, uh, I honestly don't know why. Because I'm probably not going to play Dark Souls that much, but I got so into it. And I realized while I was playing, I was like, I honestly feel like this character. Like, this is exciting and interesting. And I, like, when I beat a hard enemy, it's not just satisfying because I beat a hard enemy. It's because Amelia... She got uh, victories. Yeah, Amelia or Emil, she like actually beat that character she beat that enemy and it's so exciting to me in a way that i haven't felt before so i just i needed to get that out i thought about tweeting about it but i was like you know what this is an experience that i want to really talk about so yeah that's hard to to encapsulate in just a few characters yeah, it's it's hard to tell you exactly how this has made me feel like it's kind of like opened my eyes to the point where i'm like Maybe I should go back in, like, all my favorite RPGs. Sorry to burp. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I should go back into all my favorite RPGs and just make a female character. Like, or I've actually thought about just going through all my favorite RPGs and making the same character. Like, just making mm, Emil. Just have her in every yeah. story. Like, this is just her <laughs> long-ass story through all of these different fantasy realms and shit like that. I don't yeah. know... It's just so weird. I've never had this happen before. So I mean, it's no different than you putting yourself in every character. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely no different. But for some reason, I'm having a special experience with this. Like, it's it's just so odd. So if you guys, if there are men out there or females out there that just haven't ever played the opposite gender in a video game, you should try it. It's, I don't know if you're going to have the same experiences I've had, but it's, it's fucking weird. Like, it kind of changed my <laughs> viewpoint on a lot of it. So, no, right. I recommend cool. everybody play it. Um, oh, I mean, play Dark Souls, of course, but, you know, no, try that no, out. But 
the other game I've been playing that I've been keeping a secret just because I I don't think you'll care that much, but I do think it's interesting. So over the weekend, I was looking for uh, these copies of Dark Souls Remastered, and I came across a sweet deal at GameStop. Okay, oh. so I walk in, gotta get those physical copies. That's my nice. jam. Also, Thanks, fucking digital copies of these Dark Souls games are still $60, and I was like, I'd rather fucking punch myself in the dick than pay that, $60 <laughs> for this game. So That pisses me so... Like, I hate that point, that, like, they'll put, for some reason, the physical copies on sale, but digital will just never go on sale for yeah. a lot of things. It yeah. makes no sense. It's so annoying, but I found Slay the Spire for $7 at GameStop. Ooh. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that shit was cheap as hell. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I have to buy this game. So I've been playing Slay the Spire. Okay. Nice, dude. On nice. PlayStation 4. And I have some gripes, but I also have some things yeah. I really enjoyed. So you shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> right off the bat in my notes, I have you get to choose your route, which I think is so cool. Because yeah. it gives you that, like, it gives you, like, the three or four starting areas that you can choose for the most part, and you get to choose your route up towards the boss. I thought that was so cool because it adds an extra layer of strategy to your run that I never would have thought of because you're like, oh, okay, cool. I can face two enemies right away, and then there's a chest, there's a rest point, there's, like, possibly, like, the question marks where it's like, anything could happen there. Like, Mm -hmm. it might be an enemy, do I want to risk it kind of a thing. I thought it was so cool that it actually let me choose my own route. That way, like, I kind of felt like I had more of a hand in this adventure than most roguelike (laughs) games. Uh, The second thing I have on here is the art and combat fucking blows, okay? The character designs in this eat fat cock, at least in combat. The character is oh, in combat. In combat, outside of combat, like the character themselves are they are the characters are legit. I like the the art design for this game. The animations, yes, they're they're lackluster. But I just think it's so annoying that the ironclad, his both of his feet face to the left. But his sword in attacking position is to the right. And I'm like, are, is your back broken right now? What are yeah, you man. doing? That's how he works. It's so weird. But I really do enjoy it. And here's the other the other side of that coin. I think the, uh, the card and environment art is actually really beautiful. Yeah. I like it a lot. It looks really good. So, like, the backdrops and just the, the card art in general, very, very good. It's, it's really cool. I do enjoy that. Um, so... There is something I did want to ask you about. All right. There are the thief enemies that when they hit you, they take your gold. When yep. you kill them, do you get all your gold back, or yes. do you only get some? Okay. No, nope, you'll get all. I because it doesn't it, on. I don't know if it tells you on PC, but on PS4, it didn't tell me how much they took. So I was like, Yeah. So what? it it doesn't it doesn't tell you how much they took. What it does is when you kill one of those enemies, not only will you get the gold for defeating an enemy which you always get gold some amount for defeating an enemy uh wave but you'll also get a second set of gold for the amount that you collected back from those enemies that you killed yeah i noticed that it was like oh you retrieved 30 of your lost gold and kind of a thing i was just like did he steal 30 
or did yeah. he steal like 80 because that was going to be a big sticking point for me i always no, hate it no, 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 no. like in he... games where you kill something like it steals from you and then you and it doesn't it drop it doesn't... what you killed yeah, 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 yeah. you're like where the <laughs> what did you how did you stash it somewhere like yeah. what what's happening right now so my next bullet point i have here is that i really have a specific build i want to make for the ironclad Mm-hmm. And it is like basically just blocking all the time and using body slam, yeah, and yeah, yeah. the juggernaut power. Mm-hmm. I think that shit'll be dope. Okay, yeah. I one of my yeah one of my favorite things about like I said with this game with uh, the last time we were talking about this with one of the characters is basic, very basic theory crafting about like okay this time based on you know going into a game I get the first couple of cards what do I want to do with this combo? Like, that's why I love this is there's not as much strategy in that. Like you can spend some time thinking about like, Oh, what kind of cards work well with each other? You know, what synergizes well, but at the end of the day, it's all very random what you're going to get. So you kind of have to play into that, like, you know, do the best with what you're given. And I really enjoy that because it, has that element of like you have to constantly think on your feet and granted you you know you have as much time as you want because this is a very you know turn-based combat approach to a game but you have to think on your feet in that you don't know what you're going to get next and you don't know what type of combos you'll be able to make with this run but it's super fun to try and theory craft okay i found this card i'm going to take this one because hopefully you know the next enemy wave that i kill i'll get a certain card or maybe there's a shop coming up maybe it'll be there or you know i have this one relic uh you know the abilities that hopefully i can use this one to my advantage and i'll get a different card later in the run so there's a lot of like what ifs to it which some people might not like but i enjoy that fact because it it makes the game less about oh, I really have to strategize and just sit down for hours and think about what's the best combo that I can do and then try to verse someone else's best combo. It's what is the best for the time being of what I've been given. Yeah, instead of like most card games, you'd build toward a meta. Instead right, of doing exactly. that in this game, you kind of like are just, you build a deck based on a whim. Yeah. Kind of a thing. And there's... So I do have a question with that then. Um, when you choose a character, do they start out with the same deck every time or is it different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So each each character will start out with the same starting deck of oh, okay. a few strikes and a few blocks. But then they'll have like one or two character specific starting cards. It'll always be the same starting deck. But the characters have like one or two cards that are different, and they'll usually be based on their specific class, you know, style. Yeah, they have skills. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they have different ways that you can play, and it'll play into their strengths of what's a basic, you know, ability or strategy with that character. They'll have one card that's always there that's specific to them. Yeah, um, like the ironclad kind of like breaks down people's defenses seemingly or a right. lot of the cards I've got like they inflict wounds and stuff like that whereas the silent is much more poison heavy and yeah. kind of runs off draw power because every skill that fucking deck has is about drawing more cards. Drawing drawing cards in this game is so op like it is one of your best strategies uh, as a person getting like new into the game because the the game thrives at least from a player perspective on you having choices 
because you have, you know, a variety of what the enemy is going to do, whether it's going to just block for this turn, attack for this turn, curse you, you know, there's a number of different things it might do. And draw power gives you a lot of variety in how you're going to respond to that situation. Yeah, there are only a few things that suck about the way the drawing works in this game is that, like, your deck is not that heavy. You probably have, like, 10 cards to start out with. So you mm-hmm. constantly kind of, like, cycle through that. But that means when you run into an enemy that gives you a burn card, I get mm-hmm. that burn card, like, every fucking draw. And it's so annoying. Yes. Especially because, like, unless you use the silent, there's pretty much, like, at, at least is the ironclad. Because I'll get to later, I don't know how to play the defect, but... Um, oh, the defect is so fun. He, so it, is the Watcher. They're, this shit they're just looks more, so weird. They're more unique, but they are, like, the best classes, like, for sure, just because of how unique they are. Um, yeah, I, I still think so my, far the I've Watcher seen, is my favorite. Yeah, so far I've seen, though, that the... It seems like between the Ironclad and the Silent, if I get one of those burn cards on the Ironclad, I'm basically fucked. Like, there are a few different skills that I have that can, at times, like, force me to, uh, like, exhaust a card, but most of those skills are at random. Like, there's maybe one that I've used so far that actually lets you choose. So, that's a little weird. Yeah, so as you you progress more into the game and every time you play the character, those characters level up, which gives you access to more cards... Um, there's not a lot of leveling. I think there's only like usually four or five. I don't remember because it's been a while since I've leveled a character, but you start to get new cards that are in the pool of things that you can get. And there's a number of cards that will do what's known as, uh, exhausting other cards. And so you can exhaust a curse card if you need to. There's also an ability you get later. Um, I don't know which character has it or if you have to unlock it at all. I don't really remember. Um, but there's one called blue candle. And so what happens is when you whenever you get the blue candle relic it it could be for any character uh but when you get that relic you then have the ability to sacrifice one hp to get rid of a card uh at any time like exhaust it oh Um, i've seen that yeah so that that one's uh really useful in a lot of different builds especially ones when you have what's known as the dead branch which means every time you exhaust a card it will randomly give you a new one um and so there's a lot of strategy with using dead branch interesting okay i want to get through the rest of my notes real quick so we can get into the news um i really enjoyed that there are small bits of lore associated with the characters when you first start out and go to play them it tells you a little bit about them uh so like the ironclad being like the last of its kind of like warrior race seemingly that Mm -hmm. gave a piece of its soul like for demonic powers or some shit that was really cool i thought that was awesome Uh, i think the ability to continue a run is really nice so i can (laughs) just save it and turn my console off and then come back to it later that's not something that's typically seen in roguelikes and i think that's awesome um i did so i got through the first boss got all the way to the second boss on my first try wow that's good and then didn't realize that i actually had to drink my fairy potion for it to work i thought if i had it in my inventory and i died it would revive me and it did not so Mm, that's weird that's interesting because i remember it just happening 
Okay, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, I had to drink it because I had it in my inventory specifically just in case I died during this boss battle. How big was the attack? Because if you died, but then I think the the damage carries over. So if it revived you, but then did enough damage to kill you again, you'd be outright dead. That's bullshit. That's <laughs> it that's doesn't dumb negate damage. <laughs> yeah, because I'm pretty sure that it works the same with the uh, the lizard's tail, which is a, a relic that you can get that'll revive you to half health after you die oh okay um then i really enjoyed that the silent is very poison based i thought it was a nice change of pace from the kind of like brute force of the ironclad um Mm -hmm. i said i hate the enrage buff because it fucking pisses me off that every time you use a skill their damage increases that's really annoying and then i have (laughs) uh no idea how to play the defect because i tried and it didn't make any sense i was like i don't know what channeling means and i don't know how to get these orbs like it doesn't make any sense it's it's uh it takes a little bit to understand but once you get it it's super fun like god it just kind of seems like the game doesn't really teach you how to play the defect that well like, you, you pick up how to play the silent and the ironclad because one is brute force well, super, and the other just super uses... basic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then when you get to the defect, it doesn't tell you, like, anything about it. The de- Yeah, the defect... I mean, if you read the cards, the, the specific, like, keywords it, will tell you what they do if you yeah. hover over them. And a lot of, with the defect, um, he was more like trial and error. Um, you really just got to keep playing him and you'll get him kind of a thing. I enjoyed the fact that they don't hold your hand too, too much with him um, or her. I don't really know what it is. It's like um, an Android. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, but the, the defect is like, once you get more used to it and understand it, the defect is probably the best character. Mm. I'll I'll have to I'll have to get back into it. I'll have to try more of the defect. But it's so really far, funny. the Ironclad is my favorite because he looks. Oh cool. God, that is my least favorite because he, he just looks so too, cool. He's no, he's way too basic. Too God, there's so many better characters. Anyway, um, it's really funny that you're actually bringing this up. I was just talking to someone about Slay the Spire because I mentioned uh, in like the new hire annotation for my new job that I do a podcast for indie games, and so the one person who plays video games was like, oh, let me talk to you now. And they were like, I just started playing Slay the Spire. And I was like, oh, it's a great game. So it's really funny. That ignited my love of card games. Oh, I didn't say that part. I mean, I would never admit to it. You You don't introduce yourself as the biggest of average Josh boys, the like largest card game fan on earth? I definitely am not. So no. (laughs) That would be the most exhausting thing to say to everybody. Like you'd go to shake their hands and you're just like, god damn it like you'd get done with three people and then another person would walk in you're just like i fucking hate you you're my worst enemy now you just gotta i'm just gonna record it and just play it off like a a tape recorder ah or you can pull like the joker thing where he has his like diagnosis written on a card so people have Mm -hmm. to read it yeah you can make people read it just to show you how much you hate them that's true yeah yeah. maybe (laughs) maybe yeah uh i've been enjoying say the spire i think it's a lot of fun especially for seven dollars if that deal is still on go buy it at gamestop seven bucks is a great price to pay especially because that's a sweet freaking case dude (laughs) it looks so cool (laughs) (laughs) 
so let's hop into our main news stories for this week. Our first news story is over on IGN. It's written by Matt Kim, and it is E3 2020 officially canceled over coronavirus concerns. Uh, E3 2020 has been officially canceled over coronavirus concern by the... Uh, about no the concerns about the novel coronavirus or uh covid-19 i'm just gonna call it the coronavirus because i'm not it says that multiple times in here i'm not gonna fucking say that um Mm -hmm. this marks the biggest impact on the video game show this year as a result of public health concerns regarding the coronavirus outbreak the entertainment software association otherwise known as ESA, is now exploring uh, the possibility of an online experience to replace the show. A statement from the ESA reads, After careful... Oh, my God. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, gotta do this Consultation. Uh, After careful consultation with our member companies regarding the health and safety of everyone in our industry, our fans, our employees, our exhibitors, and our longtime E3 partners, we have made the difficult decision to cancel E3 2020, scheduled for June 9th through 11th in Los Angeles. Following increases and overwhelming concerns about the coronavirus uh we felt that it was the best way to proceed during such an unprecedented global situation uh we are very disappointed that we are unable to hold this event for our fans and supporters but we know it's the right decision based on the information we have today both attendees and exhibitors will be contacted about full refunds and they put that in quotes so i don't know why they did that um <laughs> they're like full refunds sure like, <laughs> um, I don't know, I'm, assuming, maybe. I'm assuming the reason they did that is because they're probably not going to pay you for your like airfare and right, right. what you might have spent on a hotel so that's more than likely why they did that um i mean no convention would do that so like nothing against d3 on that decision yeah yeah Um, The ESA also confirmed that it was exploring options with our members to coordinate an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June 2020. Um, I'm not going to say that next line because it doesn't matter. Uh, The statement ends with the ESA saying, we thank everyone who shared their their views on reimagining e3 this year uh we look forward to bringing you e3 2021 as a reimagined event that brings fans uh media and industry together in a showcase that celebrates the global video game industry uh ign heard from a number of sources yesterday yeah the basically everybody the rest of this is talking about how like gdc has been postponed uh taipei game show south by southwest a bunch of different things i believe bit summit was as well we might actually talk about that one next week um but a lot of different like large conferences in games and outside of games have been canceled because of the coronavirus or delayed um yeah how do you feel about this one uh i mean you know it's it's interesting because a lot of people have been talking about this, like, what is the state of E3? There's always been, you know, rumors of like, oh, is it not as good? Is it not going to last? And I think this is a bad time for this to occur. Oh, like, yeah. This is like the know, shittiest time for this to happen. Right. Of like people being like, we don't need an E3. And then it being like, oh, E3 doesn't happen. So I think 
you know, I personally think E3 will still stick around. I mean, granted, I don't know what's going to happen with this virus uh, because, you know, maybe in a couple of months we're all gone. Uh, <laughs> that's an extreme, extreme outcome of it. But, yeah, it goes. Uh, that would know. escalate from zero to 100 real quick. They're like 2% death rate to fucking 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, granted, I don't think that's the case. But, like, still... Uh, I think that this is a weird time. I think E3 will bounce back, but I think that not only this, but just in general, I think a presence of more of an online conference or online uh, just virtual uh, side of things being added or being discussed instead as an alternative is going to be a real talking point, especially just because you know, a lot of these conventions I don't think are going to happen unless they do them in a way that's fully virtual. So this is really changing kind of the future of what we're going to have for a lot of these. Um, I I think there's still a need for more in-person, you know, expos. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe next year E3 is something where it's more of an online event, kind of similar to like, Blitz, uh, I think BlizzCon does uh, like virtual tickets to their conferences so that you can see some of like the sessions and shows uh, so that I think this is going to be more of a, a presence in a lot of different conferences going forward just because of the, you know, the, the, you can't really plan for this. The uncertainty of something like this popping up of having a contingency plan of, you know, what do we do if, no one can actually show up kind of a thing. Yeah, so so do you think that, like, E3 going forward after this, especially since, like, knowing that I think it's 70% of the ESA's, like, uh, annual revenue comes from E3, do you think that in the coming years they're just going to shift fully to kind of this, like, online experience instead of doing something in person? So, I mean, I wouldn't say fully. I think they're going to probably make it a more small scale thing. I think this will probably push E3 to be less consumer and more closer to what it, you know, was at a certain point of just more the actual, you know, media, the actual developers, the actual publishers, but give to the public access of more of a virtual uh, access to a lot of things. I think that the ESA needs to be smart about how they market things and what they do from a profitability standpoint. Um, So, you know, marketing this as more of a paid access, like, hey, give us a subscription, or not really a a subscription, but like a virtual ticket to buy into these different shows or, you know, the the all E3 access pass. But it's more of just a developer conference otherwise to make those known you know, closed door deals that E3 is known for. Um, I I think it's it's something that at least is going to be discussed and contemplated. Uh, but I, I really don't know. I think it's interesting. How do you think this is going to, like, overall affect the rest of the industry? Because, like, I, I just before recording saw that both Jason Schreier and Greg Miller on Twitter were talking about how this impacts much more than you might think. So, like, it not only impacts the, like, ESA staff, but it also impacts the, like, the developers and publishers and literally the people who work at the convention center. And it also affects, like, the, like, independent developers or just developers seeking aid in publishing their games. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of just normal business that goes on 
at E3 in general, like it's kind of a for marketing sure. event for a lot of a different. Lot, a lot of people are losing money on this. A yeah. lot of people are losing opportunities. There's This is a big hit to so many people. Not Like this specific convention alone is huge, but think of this worldwide, like even taking a lens back outside of just the gaming industry, like the world is getting hit pretty hard because of this. Like it is an interesting time. Do you think that like because of this and because of the continued like like issue with coronavirus, do you think that we'll see um developers themselves start to do more of their own marketing or possibly just like uh longer PlayStation State of Plays, longer Nintendo Directs, longer um inside Xbox? Do you think we'll see that kind of stuff or do you think uh yeah, I I wouldn't say longer, but I would say more frequent and more tailored towards specific deals. Like I think, I think there would be a lot more of like Nintendo Indie World showcases. You know, uh, in individual like sessions. I'm sure that different publishers will create their own kind of platforms or directs. Think of you know Yacht Club. Yacht Club has created these, you know, the last couple of times they've done it, they've created a Yacht Club presentation that is very similar to a Nintendo Direct. Yeah, and and they're not the only ones. Uh, Just to point out, like, Yacht Club does it, Devolver does it, and we're going to talk about later, uh, Ratalika Games actually just put on a live stream last week as well. So it's not completely out of, like, the public consciousness. It's not out of comprehension to see these smaller developers actually just like put on these larger marketing events instead of being included. I think that's the way that you have to go about it these days, especially right now um, is, you know, there's not really a way to do it otherwise because there is going to be that lack of, uh, you know, exposed uh, time with different developers and different individuals if they're not having these kind of conferences. So I think this is the route that we'll see that a lot of them have to take a more virtual, you know, segmented approach of trying to market themselves in very unique ways. Otherwise, unfortunately, they will not be discovered just because, you know, it's going to be very hard to actually gain recognition without a platform. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Something I did, and I... This is the last thing I'm going to say on this topic before we move on to our next more lighthearted story. Uh, But something (laughs) I really enjoyed and it kind of gives me faith in humanity and in the games industry is that after seeing all of this go down with E3, a lot of PR people were like, hey, if you have like an indie game and you need help marketing your products, reach out to us. We can help you learn how to do your own stuff. Like we can help you, we can teach you how to do your own showcases and stuff like that, like make motion graphics and actually set up like stable live streams and stuff like that. Mm. So I really enjoy that. And it's nice to know that this is kind of like, it's, it's more than just the, I don't know. I I don't want to say it's more than just the sum of its parts. It's like, it often seems like the games industry is kind of shitty because of the things we all do to each other (laughs) yeah there's there's some darker sides to the games industry for sure like there's some fucked up shit that we do to each other but it's nice to see that when in like their time of need people will reach out and be like hey we can help you you don't have to pay us you don't have to do any of that we can teach you how to do this on your own so that you can like learn how to survive like that's super dope i'd like to learn how to do that just for personal like i just want to know same it would be awesome yeah 
Um, I'm gonna reach out. So I'm actually an indie game dev. <laughs> You're like teach I'm gonna me. make a video game specifically for this. Uh, yeah, so teach me, senpai. Let's move on to our next news story. It's over on Polygon. It's written by Cass Marshall, and it is: Disco Elysium players are teaming up to hunt down one last mystery. Disco Elysium. I don't know why I said that so weird. I was like, Disco Elysium, <laughs> Disco time. <laughs> uh, takes place in a mysterious world that doesn't quite uh, work like our own. Um, one of the most pressing questions that players are trying to unravel takes place outside of the game proper. It's an achievement, and even though one person has claimed it, Steam shows that 0% of the population has unlocked it. The achievement, named Pale Runner, offers no hints besides the name and a simple icon. Uh, Chris Priestman tweeted out, Disco Elysium has an achievement called Pale Runner that almost nobody has. Uh, people have been trying everything to get it. Uh, one person got it accidentally um the other day but no one is satisfied with the <laughs> mysteries <laughs> that the mystery is solved uh making things more complicated is the fact that disco elysium is a game that allows for a lot of silly behavior uh wild synchronized dance routines sure punching a kid in the face go for it if you want to gaze out of a setting sun and undergo a chilling revelation about the nature of the supernatural forces roiling yeah roiling is that roiling i've never sure. seen that word before roiling at the end of the world you can do that too disco elysium allows you to be an absolute mess of a human being much to the game's credit and that makes deciphering the pale runner achievement a little tougher than expected luckily there has been a major break in the case from from one player who got the achievement or this may be an unlucky development depending on your point of view because he got the achievement by accident or yeah he got it by accident while playing other games which is so weird like did he notice it while playing other games or did he get it while playing other games maybe that's what the achievement is you have to play a different specific video game that would be so interesting uh he's yeah. since surrendered his save file and players are pouring through it uh for clues and uh oh as well as digging into the game's source code itself uh it's a fascinating mystery to read through uh blah 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 yeah the this is so interesting. Like, <laughs> so weird. I love when uh, developers do this and put like, you know, very interesting achievements into a game. Kind of like uh, the Stanley. Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about the Stanley Parable. How it was like a ten-year achievement. You yeah, just had to yeah. Wait. <laughs> it was just not log into the game for like five years or something like that, and then you, when you log back in, you can get that achievement. Like things like that are so unique and so different that I really love when a developer puts them in because first of all, achievement score and points and and you know things like that are just you know they're just a nice to have and they're just like a little thing to do to push you. And I think it's it's interesting because this creates that you know conversation around the game keeps the game relevant which is great from a marketing standpoint but also keeps people interested in the game to play it in different ways because they want to you know do that achievement they want to break the game or not really break the game but achieve everything that there is to in a game and i think it's unique especially if they give you like nothing to go by because you know in this day and age it's very easy to just have a wiki and be like oh that's how i get it okay let me you know just follow the steps 
but I think it's super cool that it's like, no, you have to figure this out. Like it's, it's kind of one of those things we talked about with like early access games or, you know, just games very early into them being released where you're in this time where you're figuring this out with a community. Like it's super cool to be a part of that because you're like, Oh, I'm one of the people who's trying to figure out what this achievement is. What could it be? And you're on, you know, like forums or you're on a discord server and you're discussing this and like, you know, it's just something interesting to be uh, engaged with or passionate about. I imagine it's also really exciting for the developers as well because they get to like see all of this mystery unfold. To know, yeah, to know what it is and just be like, those idiots, they think it's this. Yeah, it's just like Corey Barlog in like interviews right after God of War came out, he said that like the whole big kind of like a large spoiler in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was located super early on in the game and he's like nobody has found it and it took people over a year to find it. And mm-hmm. then you find out it's the like craziest shit. But that's just so interesting. It's kind <laughs> of like a way for the developers to fuck around and kind of like have their fun with gamers. It's it's Yeah, I mean, it's it's super cool. I think it's very creative. Um I I love it. I mean, it's a super silly story, but I I think it's great. All right. Let's move on to our last story for today over on Twinfinite. It's written by Alex Gibson, and it is, and I don't know how to say this game's name, so I'm just going to go with Wolken because it looks like Wolken. Um, It's W-O-L-C-E-N. Lords of Mayhem hits 1 million sales inside its first month. Uh, Wolken, Lords of Mayhem, the ARPG uh, Diablo-like from French developer Wolken Studios, has reached over 1 million units sold since its launch on February 13th. The news comes by way of a press release today, uh, which revealed some other interesting statistics in addition to the impressive sales tally. Specifically, we learn, and I hate the way the Twinfinite does this, they don't use commas, they use periods. I don't know why that bothers me so much, but it's so annoying. (laughs) Okay, so we learned that over 1 million characters have been created, and 12,874,233 monsters were killed. Furthermore, players spent God damn it. 17,406,590 hours playing Woken and looted 115,347,589,950 gold after removing a gold exploit. Moving forward, the developers also announced that the first few or first four months uh, after release will be dedicated to bug fixing and polishing. After that phase, the studio will focus on developing new content. Wolken's story will then be continued with a fourth act. How do you feel about this game? Have you checked it out or anything? I think the coolest part about this is, like, it's open class structure. You can build your character in whatever way you want. You, It's <laughs> not like normal, like, it's not like Diablo or normal RPGs where you have to go into a certain class or job. Instead, you build your character the way you want. How do you feel mm. about this game? That's pretty cool. I honestly, I haven't looked too much of this. This seemed like a, a very like flavor of the month kind of game, and I'm actually surprised at how well it's done because I know that there was a big, you know, crazy excitement about it and splurge into this game around when it launched. I didn't think that it was going to be that big though, um, which is great. You know, I'm glad that they're they're doing well for that and that type of you know 
class or character progression sounds super interesting. It reminds me very much of like uh, Path of Exile, how you start at a certain point on a skill tree, but can go to any other classes if you really want to. Very similar to like Final Fantasy X skill tree. Um, I think it's super cool. Uh, like I said, I really didn't think it would do this well. Um, and, you know, based on this, it is making me think like, oh, maybe I should check it out because I really do like this style of games. I just have so many that I'm playing right now, like on the side uh, already. Like I'm playing the alpha for Torchlight 3. I'm playing a game called Grim Dawn that's very similar to like a Diablo-esque uh, style game. So it just has been on my radar but just wasn't one of the ones that i was like oh i'll pick this up right now but i mean it seems to be doing well and i guess reviews are you know positive so i don't know maybe i'll have to check it out yeah it seems on on steam they have mixed reviews and supposedly their metacritic score is 61 percent. i'm wondering if like what mm. exactly people are annoyed with like is it yeah. like the the bug fixes that is it like bugs maybe. that they're gonna fix or yeah, it's hard to tell because, like, this game isn't, like, it's not officially out. So earlier reviews are obviously going to be riddled with the issues that they're trying to solve for, um, especially since this isn't a full-fledged game since that last act isn't out yet. So I think that it's hard to tell. Clearly, it wasn't, like, a knock-it-out-of-the-park kind of game, but... I would have to do more research and actually look into what those reviews are saying. Yeah, reading a few of them, it seems like a lot of the criticism comes down to, like, bugs. Like, yeah, yeah, games, yeah. like, deleting your characters and all sorts Ooh, of shit like that's that. that's a pretty bad so, one. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of them say that this game is good, but wait until after they fix it. So I'm going to wait yeah, for sense. at least four months to check that one out. But <laughs> All right, we'll keep it on our radar. You know what we don't have to wait for, Big Josh Boy? Uh, What's that? News Graham. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Cram, 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 cram. Ooh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, yeah, News nice Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of IndiePod and Indie Games Podcast, cram you full of all sorts of indie games news. Oof, Gotta get real crazy. Excited. Yeah, I know. That was a lot. I was that just was, running out of breath. A... I had to get it all out. You're like, oh. <laughs> uh, this week in News Cram, we don't have any quick news stories for you, but we do have a couple items in our new deals and quick steals, and we've got a bunch of new stuff. So... In uh, new deals and quick steals, our first quick steal is a bunch of amazing games being added to Xbox Game Pass this month, including indie titles like Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Piku Niku, Mother Russia Bleeds, and more. Secondly, starting on March 12th, you can pick up Adeline 2 Return to Dust, or Anodyne, not Adeline, Anodyne 2 mm -hmm. Return to Dust, a short hike, and Muta Zone completely free on the Epic Game Store. And lastly, those who purchase Action Arcade Game, uh, Translation, it's T-R-A-N-C-E-L-A-T-I-O-N. 
Interesting name. Uh, on the Nintendo hmm. Switch, between right. March 13th and March 16th, will not only be treated to a nice little discount, but also be given four free games as well. Those being Free Cell Solitaire Deluxe, 2048 Battles, Pizza Bar Tycoon, which that one is quite Ooh. interesting. I'm, yeah. I want to check out Pizza Bar that. Tycoon, dude. Uh, <laughs> and Flow Lines Versus. Uh, now on to some new stuff. Our first six items and new stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported the strategy game Tiny Metal Ultimate by Area 35 is getting a limited physical release through limited run games with pre-orders going live on March 13th. That casual strategy game Round Guard by Wonder Belly Games is headed to the Nintendo Switch on March 13th. That Metroidvania... Uh, metroidvania game dundara by long hat house has just received a free update titled trials of fear which includes features such as a new area story and more that holy i love more yeah i always gotta love more uh that the holy potato series by daylight studios is getting a physical release on the nintendo switch sometime this may that adventure game factotum 90 by T-A-C-S, so Tax Games, uh, is headed to the Nintendo Switch on March 19th. And lastly, that action roguelike uh, Hyper Parasite, because I don't know why I couldn't read that. Um, Hyper Parasite by Troglodytes Games is headed to the Nintendo Switch on April 3rd. I like how Hyper Parasite got me, but Troglodyte was fine. Yeah, like that. That's a normal <laughs> word to say. <laughs> uh, now over to Polygon, where it's reported that adventure game Amnesia The Dark Descent by Frictional Games is getting a sequel titled Amnesia Rebirth. Little is known about the title other than it's coming to PlayStation 4 and Windows PC sometime this fall. Now over on Twinfinite, where it's reported that roguelike action game Hades by Supergiant Studios just received a new update, which includes some bug fixes, new weapons, and expansion to the story, and more. Once again, dude, more. Gotta love it. More! You gotta love it. (laughs) And that, uh... And that in their direct last week, indie publisher Rattalika Games announced that several visual novels are making their way to PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and even the PS Vita. Those including, but not limited to, uh, Long Live the Queen HD, Blind Men, Syrup, and The Ultimate Suite, and more. Once again, and more. Uh, And that's it for today. No more new stuff. So it's time to move on to God Bless the Crowd. Uh, So, Big Josh Boy. Let's hop into this. Uh, God Bless the Crowd is our weekly segment where we hop into all sorts of crowdfunding sites, find something awesome to talk about, and we do just that. This week, we've got Vibrant Venture over on Kickstarter. It's a pixel art 2D adventure platformer, which mm-hmm. interesting that they went with adventure platformer. Uh, these developers are looking for $10,172. They currently have, at the time of this recording, $12,835 with 170 backers and 21 days left to go. To get on the ground floor of this one, if you guys live in the U.S., it's $11. Super cheap, mm-hmm. really, considering yeah, this game. it's not that bad. Not that bad. So how do you feel about Vibrant Venture? I think it looks pretty cool. Um, it is, like you said, a pixel art 2D platformer. Uh, you play as, it looks to be five unique characters, but while you're playing the game, you swap in between each character and they seem to have a unique ability. 
So one of them seems to have like a parasol. One of them is able to dash down into like obstacles. One can shoot up in the air, kind of like a cyclone. Um, one's able to jump on spikes, different little abilities and things that make them unique. And the interesting thing is you're basically swapping between these characters in real time. It slows down and lets you swap between them. It gives you like a little color wheel to pick the different characters. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a unique idea. Um, not like crazy unique. Like we've seen things like this before, but it is done in a, a very cutesy, smart way. The evil villain kind of reminds me of the evil villain from uh, A Hat in Time, which is a little weird. Um, but I don't know. It looks fun. I wouldn't say this is anything that's going to be, you know, crazy groundbreaking. It's not like this is going to be the be all end all of platformers, but I do think it has some unique mechanics. I think it would be fun to have that quick change of swapping between the characters. Um, and I do like the art style to it. Yeah. I also do like it as well. Um, the switching between characters reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you've ever played the game. It's called super time force ultra. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. where you have like the multiple characters and midway through battle, you have to actually switch out between them. This mm -hmm. reminds me a lot of that or something like uh, Crossing Souls does that a little bit as well. How you'd have to switch between the few in battle to like do certain things. But this one is obviously a platformer. So it kind of like changes it and you have to change it on the fly. So like mm -hmm. one might have this large jump, which I have to say, I really hate the character names because they don't add up, dude. And it's so <laughs> annoying. So they don't have them here, but like one is named after a bird. Another is a nut. Um, another is a banana. And the other one is like a jewel. I'm fairly certain. So what? Maybe. I mean, maybe that's something with like weird translation concerns since this is from a different uh, area. Where is this from? I don't know what currency DKK is. Oh, this is from Denmark. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Maybe there's some weird thing with translation where banana and maybe a jewel is actually like a type of fruit, but it just doesn't translate well. I don't know. I'm just trying to give them a pass here. I, I will say I don't know exactly if that's a jewel, but I'm pretty sure it well, is. Well, whatever. Yeah, I get what you mean, though. Yeah, it's um, just like a weird naming convention. But yeah, this game does look really, really cool. I like its art yeah. style a lot. Um, I don't have much to say about it other than... I don't know why it just kind of looked bland like it mm. it didn't seem super special like i don't enjoy the character designs that much i like a lot of the creatures and i like the world but the characters are kind of like boring looking to me yeah i could see that but that's kind of like it's kind of like the low-hanging fruit to find something that's annoying with this game which i do nitpick quite often so yeah that's for sure but i i think i think that the the game has enough charm or at least seems to uh to kind of carry its own weight in this style uh the one thing that i will point out uh for those of you who are listening and you know want to look into this game there is one thing that is showcased in the video which is a level editor this is a little bit um, tricky because their goal is 10,000, which they've hit. Uh, they, they're at 12,000 US dollars right now, almost 13. Um, and they have a level editor that's showing you, oh, you can, you know, design your own levels and change things up. That's actually a stretch goal that I don't remember them mentioning. What? Um, and, and that's actually not going to be available until 20k unless level builder expansion just means new stuff 
Um, I'm not 100% sure if that's just saying that at 20,000 they're giving you the level bit like level builder feature or if that means that they're just adding new things. So I would be skeptical about that just in case. Um, I think but, so because it when it does that features ideal uh, thing, uh, it does say more level builder content. Okay. So I'm I'm assuming that's just additional stuff to put in with the level builder. Okay, I hope so. I hope so. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so ten thousand. It does say an in-game level builder. All right. Oh, well, yeah. Completely it, ignore the fact that I said anything up to this point. If you want a level builder, it's already in there. Yeah, and I was if gonna you want say. More, give them more money. It also says yeah, I've uh, also been working on a level creator, which will be part of the first release with a set of tools and features we intend to expand upon in the future updates. Yeah, that's why I got super confused by the word expansion. I thought they just meant like adding it to it, like. The expansion of the game will have this level builder, but no, oh, that's on my part. This is actually kind of interesting, too. Custom levels are stored as a single text file uh, for easy sharing and make it easily uh, integratable with Steam Workshop in the future. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I think that's a smart way to do it. Um, and, you know, if, if, like, this is one of the things of why I think this game, it's not doing anything like insanely crazy but having those unique characters and being able to create your own levels and giving that to the people i'm sure will come up like there will be a good amount of brilliant minds out there who will create something very unique for these characters and a level design specifically around the abilities that you have at your disposal um me personally i don't care about ever building levels that's not who i am i'm not a designer but i do think that it'll be interesting to go back once you know people have had some time and actually play some of those really cool levels that do get designed. Yeah, this game looks really interesting. I I'm not into it, but it looks I I I understand people who would be. So make sure if you guys are looking at like platformers, you like platformers in general, this one looks like an interesting one, especially the way that it like kind of entangles the uh, the switching and platforming looks really cool. Uh, do you yeah. have any closing thoughts on Vibrant Venture, Big Josh Boy? No, I think you I think you pretty much hit it. Um, if you're a fan of platforming or level building, this is the one for you. Awesome. So it's about time we move on to our random questions. We've got uh, kind of two, but kind of not multiple i guess <laughs> so this kind of sucks because normally we get the majority of our questions kind of like the day of but i totally forgot to send a tweet reminding people so i'm sorry that's my bad it's nobody it's okay. else's fault what are you gonna do i, know. I just fucking hate myself over it just, God, well we'll just so have depressing. to end early that's fine i was running late for this episode anyway so you know yeah i gotta get some food it's like you knew i know you must be so hungry <laughs> Uh, Josh Nichols writes in from that they're active quest. Both of these beautiful boys are from active quest. So make sure you go check out their podcast, send them in some questions. They are quite nice. And they always answer they are quite nice. <laughs> uh, so Josh Nichols writes in and says, what are your favorite video game movies? And would you watch a warrior spinoff of 2019's Joker? So let's talk about this. What are your favorite video game movies? Big Josh boy. <laughs> Okay, so we kind of mentioned this a little bit before the episode uh, recording this. I I can't really think of any good ones. I mean, there's a whole big thing about video game movies are generally terrible. Uh, I haven't watched Sonic yet, so I can't attest to that. Um, 
but I think the only one I really like is the Detective Pikachu movie. Um, yeah, video games just kind of make better TV shows because it takes longer to get into their worlds than it does most else. Or like we as gamers are more kind of like we're more trained <coughs> to go into the long term story structure instead of like being rushed through everything really quick. Kind of like reading the entire book instead of getting the cliff notes. And then mm-hmm. when you get the cliff mm-hmm. notes, you're like, what the fuck? So, yeah, video game movies are typically not great, but you've yeah. only really I, seen detective pikachu bro come on you didn't go I mean, out like immediately like, to see sonic you didn't risk the coronavirus no, to see sonic I? I mean first off that was not an issue back when the sonic movie just released <laughs> for me but second i just th- th- sonic is just not like i love sonic i've always been a big fan of the original games like sonic 1 2 and 3 i've always loved them i've played them a bunch but um like I, there's literally like zero lore that i'm interested in from sonic it's like gotta go fast really i've always thought the whole like turning the animal creatures into robots is really cool it is but like nah, i don't even think do they even push that in the sonic movie i don't think so i think that yeah i think the sonic movie is just about him being like an alien and they want to capture him kind of a thing like granted i don't know anything about it because i haven't seen it but like i just feel that that is a movie that is more of a watch it on netflix kind of a thing yeah yeah it is kind of nice like putting these different like movies on to netflix actually kind of gets you there like so the video game movies that i like the most one of them is not on netflix but it's very good i would recommend it um it's called mass effect paragon lost it tells the story of james vega and what he did before he came to the normandy and like what he was doing during the events of mass effect 2 it's very interesting because you get half of the story in the game but he doesn't want to get too much into it but then when you watch the movie it's much more fucked up than you would have thought that sam so more ships yeah you are a big mass effect fan if you sam have not seen uh mass effect paragon lost i would absolutely recommend it. it's really good but also um i don't know which ones are on netflix but there are multiple dead space movies i believe i have seen i've never seen those before i believe i've only seen downfall but i'm not a hundred percent certain i might have seen aftermath instead uh the one i remember watching was actually like a collection of kind of like short films technically was all in a larger narrative but it broke it into different um like sections and each section was animated differently so oh that's super like disruptive yeah it's it's weird uh but it was it's really good i would actually recommend people watch it it's very interesting especially if you're a fan of dead space it was on netflix but i don't know if it is anymore but Paragon right. Lost would definitely be my favorite video game movie. I'm going to say right now, I don't think Detective Pikachu is that good. Really? Sorry. Yeah, the fact that it featured like four okay. Pokemon. Why are there so many fucking Apoms and Tricos, dude? I get it. <laughs> I like them just as much as everybody else. But this is an entire city of Pokemon, and there are like four fucking Pokemon. <laughs> what? I guess so. I don't know, man. You and your quirks. It's just so annoying. Got- uh, Always got something. So, would you watch a Wario spinoff movie of 2019's Joker? So, I do have to ask you a question. What the fuck does that mean? So, like, yeah, this is... So, I laughed when I originally read this because, like, 
what a wacky idea. What exactly are you trying to say, Josh? Yeah. Does, does Wario kill people? Is he like, is he becoming a psychopath and just destroying society that is the Mushroom Kingdom? Yeah, like, but this what be are we talking like about a here? Wario movie, but in kind of the same vein as the Joker, where mm. Wario is like this kind of like meek mental like basically somebody with you're mental trying to health humanize issues. him yeah try uh, this is a pudgy piece of shit you're trying to make him a good guy Whoa. come on dude <laughs> oh, damn i mean let's be real i'd like, rather watch wario just first looks off, like he smells weird okay oh yeah for sure but like i'd rather watch a waluigi spinoff of that I feel like he would fit the bill much better. Yeah, he's much more conniving. Like, Wario seems like an idiot, if we're being honest. But (laughs) Waluigi looks like he's got something up his sleeve. Like, he looks Ah. devious. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I would watch it. I'd I'd give it a shot. I would watch it just to see how big of a train wreck it was. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, it's just like watching the garbage fire. Like, what if this instead was, like, a continuation of the Mario Bros. movie? Like, the live-action movie? (laughs) But it was about Wario. And he lives in the Mushroom Kingdom and is just super depressed. Maybe. I mean, do you think... Do you think they should also still just say, like, few key phrases like they do in the games? No actual talking, just like waz and. I mean, if it was in this like live action Mario like movie, they I believe they do speak. So I know, but I think that's where they went wrong. You know, that's oh. why it didn't go off. They took well. a, it took just, away from was, a lot of the character when they only yeah, said one exactly. word, and his it name was, is it's a me Mario. <laughs> it's true. That's all you need to say. That's what the people know. That's what they want. All right. Yeah, it turns you out I give him comfort. I've hated Mario for the longest time, not just because he's like the Christopher Columbus of the Mushroom Kingdom, but also that like he fucking like he's so vain. He always has to announce himself. But it turns out Mario doesn't know any other words than it's, it's a me what Mario. If, what if Mario's actually a Pokemon? Oh, that is I kind of interesting. Because at least like Luigi can say Mario. But it's true. Mario never says Luigi. Yeah. As far as I know. Luigi's actually the number one Pokemon master. There actually is a fan theory where Luigi is like basically the like Dark Phoenix of the Mushroom Kingdom. Like he's actually a psychic like master. And Maybe. the whole Luigi's like mansion thing is all his fault and kind of shit like that. Like it's weird. It's the year of Luigi. Is it still? It's every year is the year of Luigi. <laughs> Everything's coming up Luigi. Remember when he got his own game? Oh, wait. He didn't get a lot of his own games. He got, like, Luigi's Mansion, and then he got that fucking balloon shit in Super Mario Odyssey. So. <laughs> That's all he gets. Great stuff. While Mario's over here with 25, like, fucking games in a franchise, and he's just like, suck my dick. Uh, let's move on to Chris wow. Penwell's question. He <laughs> asks, what makes you passionate about games, and why indie games specifically? Mm, that's a great question i just went on a rant a little bit earlier before this with uh a couple people from my job just talking about games i think the reason why i'm so passionate about games is there's definitely a nostalgic and comfort feeling for me personally um when i think about video games to me it's always been a part of me like it's it's been a piece of my life from 
when I was very young, I've always played it, and it's always been, from the start, something that was very driven by family, something that felt very connecting, that felt very comfortable, and was uh, also a use of uh, an escape. So having that that opportunity of escapism and jumping into a new world and being a different person and having, you know, not to say that, like, there's something specifically wrong or I don't like my life, but it's always giving you that reset button or allowing you to explore different opportunities. And it's 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 something I'm passionate about because it's a whole different world and it's a whole different way to experience things that you really can't, you know, realistically uh, see or feel it, it gives you a whole different plight of adventure that you're able to grasp within your hands and I think that's an amazing thing to be able to do it's an amazing gift to be able to give to somebody so I've always just loved the idea about video games or media in general but video, video games have just always been something that stuck with me because of that interactivity part of it um, I think why indie games is for me Independent games, I think, is such an interesting area and such a unique personality of entrepreneurship that, for me, I'm I'm very, um, not to say envious, but I am very inspired by these individuals who have such drive to have a passion and have a a unique vision of. I want to create something. I know that it'll be fun or I know that it'll be special. I know that it will give someone a certain feeling or allow them to give the ability of what I just described uh, and doing that in a way that feels very personal to them because with indie, indie games, they're not run by a big studio. They're not made to make decisions because it's good for the, the consumer market or for a mass idea. I love indie games because it is literally a person giving a piece of them to you and saying, this is something cool that I created or we created and a message that I want to come across to, you know, a wider audience, whoever that might be. Um, I mean, this is really just me rambling like crazy, but uh, hopefully I said something inspirational. (laughs) I I don't know. I thought that was extremely well said. That pretty much summed up all of my feelings as well. Like the reason I'm so passionate about games is because, Ever since I was a kid, I absolutely loved stories, and I thought yeah. stories were amazing. But let's be honest, I'm not a great, I'm not great at reading, and <laughs> it's probably because I didn't do it much as a kid, and probably should have, but I didn't. Um, and movies always have that, like movies and TV shows have that distance where you, yeah, you're yeah. watching it, you're, but you're not, you don't feel like you're part of it. You don't feel like you're part right. of that world where video games and that little bit of interactivity gives you a real sense of ownership over that story. Like you have a hand in writing it. You have a hand in that world that you don't have in any other medium. And then indie games specifically is just, it's the purest form uh, of this art form. Like they make games not for like large consumer public. They don't make games for large returns. They make them because they love them. And they have something specific they want to share with the world. They have a point they want to get across. And also, if you're asking, like, in a way, like, indie games specifically, possibly why we did this podcast about indie games was because I, like, I have this love for them. I have this admiration for the creators. And I felt like 
not enough people were talking about them. Like, sure, you'd see small podcasts talk about them. You would get, like, an offhanded comment about an indie game but never really go into it. Large sites weren't reporting on it. So I said, fuck it. There's a large, like, I bet there's a large amount of people like me who want to learn about indie games but just didn't have that resource. So that's why we made an indie games podcast. And then you got the biggest of average Josh boys here who has kept it going with me. So that's amazing. Like that's, and this is kind of an aside, but I've been meaning to say this for a while is that I've like, I've tried to make content on the internet for a long time. Like I've, I've tried basically for like, I don't know, five or six years for the most part, but finding like finding a person that is just as passionate about it as you is so key like you 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 have to find somebody who's willing to like put in the time and loves it just as much as you do and then that's when it really really like you start to synchronize and that's when you start to make good content and it makes it easy like you look forward to making that content every week so that's obviously an aside it's not part of the conversation but i've been meaning to say it a lot is that i very much admire the biggest of average josh boys and i love him oh, you're so sweet for oh, what he has done for you're me make me cry yeah <laughs> you've done a lot for me really so thank you so much for kind of like exploring this with me and putting up with my weird quirks it's very nice of you. <laughs> that's okay i love you too <laughs> <laughs> so i think that's about the end of this podcast we're gonna end it on a nice note instead of our typical nice. somber note i know this is so different <laughs> this is great <laughs> uh, i do want to shout out real quick I meant to say this at the beginning of the podcast as well, but I totally forgot. We do have new merch. We have a t-shirt. Oh, I got to get one. I really yeah. enjoy. Yeah, it's only $15, but the annoying thing is that Teespring makes you pay like $4 no matter what. And you have to pay additional amounts if you want to put on more apparel items. So like if you want to purchase mm. multiple colors, that's the thing. But you and I can, of gotcha. course, order samples. So it's a little bit better because then we just pay the production cost, which is nice. Um, nice. Well, we also have to pay for shipping. But still, we don't pay the extra little bit. Ah, oh, those shipping. Yeah, it's extremely <laughs> cheap. We make very little on those. And I did that purposely. These are just for people to show that they do love like indie games and they love our podcast. It's kind of like just cheap memorabilia. We're going to be putting out more um, more merch and stuff. But right now we've got a T-shirt and a sticker, um, both of which I really enjoy. Thank you so much to Zoe and Chase for making our graphics. It was amazing of you guys to do that. Um, and make sure you guys check those out because I really like them. I got mine in the mail not too long ago, and I'm super stoked to wear it. It doesn't show my nipples, which I thought it would. Um, you know when you like get a white t-shirt and you could see your nips oh, through it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm always afraid was, of that. For some reason, I was thinking of just like a shirt, but just, just a, actual I'm just holes nipping. in it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was just like, why would you buy that? <laughs> no, it's like I've always worried about. Like, I wear a lot of white t-shirts, and a lot of them show your nipples, and it's so annoying because I got mm. these fat ass pepperoni nipples. So oh, me too. <laughs> Pep. Pep nip boys. Let's go. We've got so much in common, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But this one doesn't show your nipples. It's quite nice. Um, Nice. And also make sure you check out all the other podcasts within the HP Video Game Podcast Network and outside. Make sure you kind of like branch out and check out other podcasts. Recently I did uh, an episode with Eldar Basic uh, on his podcast Elder Eldar Talks Games. Not Elder. His name is Eldar. Um, he also does another cool show called uh, Elder Talks Games Industry, which 
there might be some stuff going on with me and him in that podcast later on. That's something that we'll figure nice. out eventually. I'm excited for that one. He also does like Neon Talk, which is a cyberpunk podcast that's just about that game. Oh. It's very good. He wrote a book cool. that he's doing an audiobook in podcast form. Um, that's called Echoes from Echoes of the Holograph, which is very good. He has two episodes. I highly recommend listening to them. They're very good. Um, but yeah, make sure you check out all these podcasts. Make very sure cool. you check out Active Quest. Check out the HP Video Game Podcast Network and all the podcasts associated with it. If you guys would like to get in touch with us outside the show, you can follow me at Hyde Legion. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at IndiePod. Super easy. Got the name in the name. Super easy. Um, and <laughs> you can follow Josh at the underscore George 90. Super easy. Got the name. <laughs> in the name. <laughs> <laughs> And keep an eye out for all of our tweets uh, that have the links to the God Bless the Crowd picks, to uh, the question threads. I try to make sure I do that. I try to also make sure, and I'm setting alarms for each one of these, but sometimes I just I just forget and I dismiss the alarm or something like that. But I make sure I tweet out links to each one of the podcasts, stuff like that. So that's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Guys and gals, we'll see everyone next week. Fucking everybody. I'm not going to fuck it up this time. (laughs) Bye, fam.